Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Bay Area Panthers pod. Part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Where you'll find analysis, news, notes, and more about the Bay Area Panthers of the Indoor Football League. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Grandy and Evan Giddings. And welcome into another edition of the Bay Area Panthers pod, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Another week, another episode here of the pod. My name is Mark Grandy, Evan Giddings with me. Uh, Evan, first of all, welcome back to the pod. Always good to catch up with you here, talking some Bay Area Panthers football it was a fun one uh, this past weekend down at SAP Center in San Jose, but unfortunately the Panthers fell just a little bit short to the Tucson Sugar Skulls, who remain atop the Western Conference standings. 34-30, to the final score. Tucson comes out on top. Despite a good start for Bay Area, Evan, uh, the second half was not kind to the Panthers. They fall short. A tough one for Bay Area, but another competitive game against one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, look, and you can make the argument, Mark, that this was their best start to a game so far this season and probably in, in their franchise. It was the first time that they, as we talked about on the broadcast, had shut out an opponent in the first quarter of any yeah. game that they've played so far in existence. They found themselves up 16 points, and it looked like they were going to run away with this game. I mean, Tucson at the at the beginning of this game had no answers. Uh, they didn't have, I believe, a first down in the first quarter. Uh, they turned the ball over on downs a couple of times. The area forced a turnover and the offense was clicking. Dalton Sneed was a one man band. And, and, and then I'm sure as we'll get into all of that sort of changed. And as we've learned very well in the IFL, one play, two plays can completely flip the momentum of this game. No matter if you're at home, if you're on the road and when you're going up against a team like Tucson, and which was third in the coaches poll entering week five in the IFL, all they need is just a glimmer of hope and, and credit to them and credit to Hurtis Chin, who had a connection with now offensive coordinator Dixie Wooten. He was his offensive coordinator last year when Wooten was the head coach of this Tucson team. So I'm sure there was some bragging rights on the line for them. And they took this game by the reins and they ended up walking away with the win. And even though Panthers probably played better over the course of those 60 minutes, it was Tucson that deserved the victory by the end. Yeah, now look, the, the Panthers were playing without a couple of key important players. I mean, Justin Rankin 
star running back, one of the best, if not the best running backs in the league. He did not play, uh, wasn't, you know, on the injury report. We don't exactly know what was up, but he did not play. Devin Wynn made his debut uh, for the Panthers defensively. Uh, Bill Atkins, you could make the case, the team's leading defensive back. Uh, he did not play. And then Darren Hungerford, the linebacker, didn't play either. Uh, Wes Bowers at linebacker, he also made his debut. And I know a, a theme for this game, Evan, was, uh, you know, first-timers, guys making their debuts, playing really well. Wes Bowers was one of those guys. He had an interception, and he was all over the place a lot in that game. That's good to see. Um, but you do need to note that the Panthers were a, a little bit shorthanded. Now, that's not to say it's an excuse. Everyone's dealing with injuries. But this early in the season, you lose a couple of your your best, most important players. It, it's tough to, to make up for those guys being out. I thought the Panthers did a pretty good job considering the circumstances. We just, I just mentioned a couple of the guys filling in. I know it was a really tough day on the ground for the Panthers, really for both teams. Um, but for the most part, you know, the guys asked to fill in on a moment's notice to step in and, and you know, fill in for some of their injured in, injured teammates. I thought they did a pretty good job. It's just unfortunate they, they couldn't quite close it out in the end. Yeah, look, I mean, outside of the running back position, if you're talking about glaring absences, Justin Rankin, I think, stood out the most because the rest of those injuries didn't really affect this game. I mean, yeah. Wes Bowers, who was playing in his first game for the Bay Area Panthers, filling in for the injured Darren Hungerford, had himself an interception, a tackle for loss as his first tackle as a Panther. You know, if you're looking at the wide receiver position, Daniel Crowell, who's a big piece of last year's team, was put on long-term IR. Enter Niger Jackson, who stepped yeah. up and scored two touchdowns in the fourth quarter for the Panthers. And then on the defensive line, Josh Rogers, who was making his first appearance with Bay Area, also, I thought, played pretty well, kind of rotating in on the defensive line. So, you know, un unfortunately, Devin Wynn, I think, is maybe the the player that gets pegged a little bit too much in this just because it was his first time on the field and he was filling in for a guy that, you know, <laughs> scored 30-plus touchdowns last year and was one of the best running backs in this league and certainly the force, I think, of this Barry team, despite maybe statistically not being in the top of boards. Uh, but they run their offense through their running back, and they've run it through Justin Rankin through the first, you know, now two games, or at least, well, two that he's that he's been active for. And so I, I just think his absence was probably the one that jumped off the, the the football field because everyone else did a really good job filling in. Yeah, you're right. Uh, but what's interesting is you then go down some of the numbers team-wide, and if you just were to ignore the score, Evan, which I know is the most important part, if you were, but if you were to ignore the score, Panthers had more first downs, more rushing yards, only by two. Again, both teams really struggled on the ground, but they had more rushing yards on 10 fewer attempts. So they were 100 per, they were definitely more successful on the ground uh, than Tucson was. They had more passing yards. Uh, so, of course, they had more total offense. They outgained Tucson by about a yard and a half per play. That's a pretty big gap. A yard and a half per play better were the Panthers than Tucson, yet they found a way to lose the game. It's it's a similar story to Massachusetts uh, when it, it felt like the Panthers played the better game for a lot of that one, but there were just a couple of moments that, that came back to bite them at the end. 
what was it? It was consecutive snaps on offense in the third quarter where they turned the ball over. An unfortunate fumble off of a nice completion, and then the first interception of the year thrown by Dalton Sneed. That happened on consecutive offensive possessions, and that was a big reason why Tucson was able to turn the tide in the middle stage of the game, eventually take the lead, and then close it out in the fourth quarter. That was, I mean, when you dominate statistically in a lot of areas, you got to look at the turnover battle because that's a lot of times how these games turn. Yeah, two turnovers. I know that Tucson had one as well, but you lost the turnover battle. You could kind of add on three because there was a block kick late in the first yeah, half. Good point. That Kevin Gessling, um, you know, was I'm sure intended on making. You know, it was a 19 yard kick was going to put you up three, and instead it turned into a block kick. Tucson goes down and scores just before the half, and that's essentially a 10 point swing. So you could even throw that in there as maybe another turnover for the Panthers. I I do want to focus a little bit on Dalton Sneed because he was really, really good the first two games. And, you know, seven touchdowns passing, no interceptions, a few more scores on the ground. And he got off to a hot start with his legs and he needed to because Justin Rankin was not there. And so he was both the quarterback and the running back in many ways for the Panthers. I do think, and look, it's only the third game of the year, even though they're in week five now going on to week six, but Dalton Sneed did not have his best game passing. And I think it kind of took him a few quarters to warm up. And like, there was not much connection with his favorite target, JT Stokes, who was pretty quiet. I I know he only had, um, you know, one catch for seven yards, Arthur Jackson, who is probably the most veteran receiver that got busy five catches for 29 yards was not all that open. And he was the one that unfortunately coughed it up. Like you were talking about in the third quarter there, uh, but Dalton Sneed until the fourth quarter was not that accurate with the football. He, I thought he missed some some open deep men. And, and then, of course, the interception that he threw, I, th- I thought he had a chance. I think he was looking for Stokes, but just underthrew him and threw it right to the, you know, the member of the secondary for Tucson that, that grabbed that ball. So, you know, Sneed had a bit of an off game, as did the running game for the Panthers. If you take away Sneed's yards, I mean, you're looking at Devin Wynn, who only had, you know, a net six yards on the ground for the Panthers. And even after all that, we're talking about a four-point loss. So the Panthers definitely did not play their best game, I think, offensively, or their most efficient game offensively. And yet they were still right there, and they had a chance to win. So if, if you want to take some positive away from that, I'm certainly there. Uh, but but it is a, a little bit concerning, I guess, because it's back-to-back games now that this has happened, in which they have been the better team on paper and yet have not been the better team on the scoreboard. Yeah, and again, I want to make sure, I mean, Tucson deserves a lot of credit. I don't know how often I've seen in the IFL a team go scoreless in the first quarter and and really not do much early in the second quarter either. Uh, And they come back and they really control the game the rest of the way. Obviously, there are ups and downs in games. Um, But Tucson did a fantastic, I mean, you were right. They, They couldn't do anything offensively through the first, what, like 20, 20 plus minutes of this game, first quarter plus some. Uh, they were absolutely stuck in the mud offensively. And the first two offensive possessions for the Panthers, you mentioned Dalton Steen with those two rushing touchdowns. It looked like this game was headed, you know, for a blowout. I think you got to credit Tucson's defense first. After the second touchdown, the Panthers got the ball back and were driving again, settled for a field goal. So Tucson got, you know, half a stop there. 
And then they forced another field goal attempt and blocked that one. So even without the block, the defense was getting almost stops. I mean, they were forcing field goal attempts instead of touchdowns, which certainly is an improvement. But that 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 kind of started turning the game uh, as well at that point. And then the other thing that stood out to me, Evan, I know you mentioned this multiple times on the actual broadcast on Sunday evening, was the Panthers' inability to get a fourth down stop in the second half. They did it in the first half. They forced those two turnover on downs on the first two drives for Tucson. But in the second half, three touchdowns from Ramon Atkins to Carrington Thompson, they all came on fourth downs. Early in the third quarter, fourth and five at the Bay Area 20, Ramon Atkins, Carrington Thompson, touchdown. That was on fourth and five. They do jump ahead to the fourth quarter, fourth and seven from the Bay Area 16-yard line. Atkins to Thompson, touchdown. And then one more time, which really sealed the game towards the end of the game, fourth and seven from the Tucson 17-yard line. Atkins to Thompson, 33 yards and a touchdown. So those drives all go down as you know the defense allowing a score, but the, the defense was still so good for such a majority of this game. It was just... You know, missed coverage, m- mistake here on one play on each of those drives, Tucson calling the right play against the, the wrong defensive scheme, whatever it was. The, the Bay Area defense played great on three plays of those drives, but could not get the last stop to force the turnover and, and change the tide of that game. Those three touchdowns on fourth down for Tucson is what did Bay Area in. Yeah, and, and look, I think Rob Keefe had a really good game plan, the the DC for Bay Area coming into this game, and it was obviously implemented to near perfection through the first 15 minutes. I do think that the Panthers, and you know, whether it be looking through the box score or being able to watch the game, I think they play well when the ball's in front of them. And you pointed this out on the broadcast, Mark, the fact that there was not very much yards after catch mm. for Tucson. And I don't think there's been much yak in general of the first two opponents they play either but they have been beat over the top. I mean, another play, you know, the their second touchdown of the third quarter, Mike Jones' two-yard run was set up because of a J.R. Stevens pass interference call on fourth down. Now it was a little bit of a you know contested call. The ball may or may not have been unplayable, but nonetheless, the hanky was thrown, the flag was thrown, and Tucson capitalized. So, you know, you're looking at right now, I think the only area that they've struggled which unfortunately has come back to bite them against their last two opponents has been situational defense as well as situational offense, because they themselves, whether you want to say have not chosen to go forward on fourth down, have not been great on third down. Um, you know, and, and I, I completely understand why Darren Arbett is taking field goals in the situations that he did early. I mean, you're up by, you know, 14, pardon me, 13 points, and then you're up by 16 points. And yeah. so you're just trying to pad your lead at that point. But it, it is interesting that the defense, I think, was really good every time the ball you know, was either a shorter completion or a run play. They did a great job of bottling up a dual dynamic quarterback in Ramon Atkins, but he did beat them when he was able to extend plays and move the ball down the field. So that's something to keep an eye on. Yeah, you mentioned situational defense. The other thing that we need to mention, uh, the Panthers committed eight penalties for 52 yards uh, Bay Area coming into this game, about three and a half penalties per game on average for less than 30 yards per game. Eight for 52 in this game. 
Uh, not all of those were on defense, but you mentioned a big one on fourth down in the second half. Uh, those at times were killers. Uh, it kept drives alive. It put the offense in tough positions. Um, so that's certainly something that I guarantee has already been discussed in the locker room from the coaches to, to the players. You cannot be committing uh, eight penalties in a game and expect to get away with it. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the uh, Bay Area Panthers pod here, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Again, the Panthers, they fall to the Tucson Sugar Skulls this past weekend on Sunday uh, by a final score of 34 to 30. Panthers are now one and two. Tucson stays undefeated atop the Western Conference at three and oh. But Evan, let's transition on to what's coming up next here for the Bay Area Panthers. They're at home again Sunday, 5.05 kickoff against the Northern Arizona Wranglers. Kind of take two in a coordinator revenge game. Uh, <laughs> situations that the Panthers couldn't quite get it done this past game uh, when Dixie Wooten, former head coach of the uh, Sugar Skulls, now the Panthers offensive coordinator, the Panthers lose that game. Now Rob Keefe, as you mentioned, the former defensive coordinator of the Northern Arizona Wranglers, now the defensive coordinator of the Bay Area Panthers. It is the Wranglers coming into SAP this coming weekend. And the Wranglers, the defending IFL champs, have had a pretty good start to their season. They're 2-1-1, just behind Tucson for second place in the Western Conference. Uh, They're coming off of a dominant win over San Diego, 48-9. When was the last time you saw a team put up nine points in the IFL? That was a fantastic defensive performance. Despite the fact that there are many Wranglers now on the Panthers, uh, the Wranglers have still metric wise had a very good defense through three games um, and they've got a lot of new faces. This is an interesting team because their head coach is still there. Les Moss, their defensive coordinator is gone. Their quarterback is gone. A number of their star receivers are gone. Their running backs are gone. Almost their entire starting defense is gone yet. There they are two and one looking like one of the better teams in the West again. Yeah. And that was their calling card last year. I know that Rob Keefe was at, the helm of that defense as DC, but defense is, is why they were as good as they were last year and why they won the IFL championship. Like they, they made plays when they needed to, which is why the situational defense so far for Bay area has been a little, I don't want to say concerning, but interesting. And, and I do think that it's also a reason why it will flip because if you look at the Barry Panthers defense, they're all <laughs> Wranglers. Like you look at the entire secondary and you can just go down the list, Mark, you know, Tyrone Cromwell the third, Northern Arizona. Tevin Homer, Northern Arizona. Uh, you know, J.R. Stevens, Northern Arizona. Will Trey Meadows. Bill Atkins is on short-term IR, along with Darren Hungerford, who's also on short-term IR. Both Northern Arizona. Marquise Bridges, Northern Arizona. Like all of their, I would say, speed guys and, and kind of skilled defenders 
come from the Wranglers. And um, that's why Rob Keefe brought them over is because he wants to implement what they did defensively last year in Arizona, now for Bay Area. So this will be an interesting test because, like you mentioned, Mark, it's the second leg of the revenge series, so to speak, between coordinators for Bay Area. But it's also two teams that are very familiar with what the other is going to do. And, you know, you could say that Dixie Wooten knows what Tucson wants to do because Curtis Chin was his OC and he knows what they want to do offensively. You could say that Rob Keefe knows what Northern Arizona wants to do offensively because he was there. Uh, But Tucson got the better of Bay Area last week. And now we'll see if the Panthers can sort of right the ship against a team that knows them very well. So there's going to be a lot of kind of miniature chess battles during this game that I'm looking forward to. And I'll be interested to see how Rob Keefe, if he adjusts at all defensively, or if he feels like, hey, our defense was good enough to beat a good offensive team and one that statistically has performed better than their approaching opponent in Northern Arizona. We're just going to, we're just going to stay pat do what we want to do. And I think that we're going to win this football game. So it's interesting and I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it as well. And just to add a little something to your familiarity topic there uh, to take you behind the curtain a little bit as broadcasters, I know you and I both do this. We put together what we call like spotting boards or I call them charts uh, where you have, at least for football, you have kind of the whole roster in front of you kind of laid out as the players might appear on the football field. Just think about the defensive side for a second. Like you have your defensive linemen up top. You have the reserve linemen underneath them. You have, you know, the, the linebackers right in the middle. And then you have your defensive backs, your corners and your safeties off to the side and, and behind everyone else is how I kind of line it up. And in the preseason, when I'm getting my Bay Area Panthers, 2023 Bay Area Panthers spotting board, my chart ready, to get the defensive backs ready and a lot of the defense, I mean, really all I did was go to my my uh, chart from last year's Northern Arizona Wranglers team and kind of just copied and pasted it. It made my prep for this coming season really easy because the Panthers uh, took so many Wranglers uh, from last year onto their roster this year. So I agree with you. That's going to be a really interesting part of this matchup. Maybe there's a little bit of, of extra added juice. I also think uh, head coach Les Moss would uh, – Love nothing more than to come into his former defensive coordinator's new home and and put up a bunch of points on him and and earn the win. I'm sure that would be quite the thrill for Les Moss. Of course, those guys are good friends. Uh, they've they've been in a lot of the same coaching circles and on a, on a lot of the same teams uh, for multiple years now. But nothing like a, a little bit of a friendly rivalry there as well. So I'm interested in that. Um, I think there's a, a little bit of room here for the Panthers to get some work done in the passing game. You mentioned uh, kind of the the breakout of Niger Jackson, who, who was fantastic. Not sure he played at all in the first half, but he had two touchdowns late in the game. And you look at, uh, you, you look at what Northern Arizona struggles with a little bit. It is defending the pass. Uh, they are 10th in the league uh, pass defense, most yards allowed. Uh, per game passing wise. Um, So I I do think there's room for the Panthers, Dalton Sneed and their wide receiver room to, to make some noise in that passing game. I know they want to get the running game going, especially after what happened last week, that struggle. And and you hope that Justin Rankin is back. Uh, But I think there's room for the, the Panthers to exploit Northern Arizona a little bit 
in the passing game. This is still a pretty good Northern Arizona defense. I think the numbers are a little misleading. They give up a lot of yards and haven't given up a ton of points just yet. But I think the Panthers can make some noise through the air in this one. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, the, the guy that I want to see them try and get a hold of because no one has through the first few games is, as far as Northern Arizona is concerned is um, Jermon Lofton. And this guy is currently at the top of the leaderboards when it comes to tackles for loss. He's near the top of the leaderboards when it comes to sacks. And he's going to be a force up front for them to try and hold. I do think on the back end, it'll be interesting because Northern Arizona last year and now in Bay Area had had a lot of good secondary members. Um, but when you're looking market, kind of the, I guess, statistical difference between these two sides, Bay Area is a team that, you know, is a top five team in total defense, but you know, is is last as far as fourth down conversions, is last as far as third down. And, and red zone, I think, is where this game is going to come into play or, you know, the, the green zone, so to speak, between these two sides. Because Bay Area, when they've been inside that 10 or 15 yard line, they've, they've I mean, they, they've been pretty good, um, but not nearly good enough. And, and nor, neither has has Northern Arizona. I mean, the red zone offense this year is just seven of nine. The Barry Panthers, eight of 11 when it comes to converting red zone opportunities into touchdowns. The difference is on the other side where the Panthers have gotten just one stop when an opponent has been in the red zone. Meanwhile, the Wranglers have gotten five. So that's why you're talking about giving up yards, but not giving up points. And so if the Panthers want to try and punch this in from inside the 10 or maybe even try and take the top off like we saw Niger Jackson be able to do in the fourth quarter against Tucson, that'll be an option. But what they need to do against this Wranglers defense is find a way to kind of break down that wall because they are a bend but don't break defense. That's the reason why they're leading the IFL in terms of points per game. Um, And what they did last year as well, they make you earn it. And the Panthers are going to have to stand up to that challenge. Yeah, I, I do think the Panthers do have an advantage and a large reason of, for this is because they, they took so many Northern Arizona Wranglers players from last year. Uh, the Panthers do have the experience edge in this game. You look at starters for Northern Arizona, their expected starting quarterback, Garrett Kettle, who's you know been good so far this year. It's his first year in the IFL, hasn't played indoor football before this year. They do have a couple of receivers that are back. Glenn Gibbons, excuse me, Glenn Gibbons Jr. Uh, to be specific, he he was on Northern Arizona last year. They do have a decent wide receiver room still that has some experience. But you look defensively, Tremont Lofton, as you mentioned, he was fantastic with Northern Arizona last year. They do have some good experience on the defensive line, but everywhere else defensively in the secondary and in the linebacking unit, they really don't have much experience. And, and maybe that means a little less for this game specifically. But I think for the Panthers moving forward, Evan, the experience that they do have, not necessarily as Panthers, but just their individual players in the IFL and in, and in indoor football, I do think at some point you will see that begin to, to have impact on games. I, I do think that really matters in this league. It hasn't really shown itself just yet. But I think the Panthers have the edge uh, in this matchup in that regard. And they're going to have the matchup, the, the edge in a lot of matchups moving forward just because of the guys that they currently have on their roster. So uh, maybe that that factors in uh, on, on Sunday at five o'clock. Maybe, maybe you see it later on in the season. But I do think that's an area where the Panthers can 
can expect to to have a bit of an edge over some opponents this year. I agree. I do think it will take some time and if it already happened, it would, in my opinion, be extremely impressive because you do have a lot of experience on both sides of the football and you have some continuity between the guys that came over from Tucson primarily on offense and the guys that came over from Northern Arizona primarily on defense. But together, there hasn't been a whole lot of time to build that chemistry that's required Mm. for a football team to be successful, not certainly as much as you see the likes of Arizona, who's been playing together for a long time, Massachusetts, who's been playing together for a long time, and even Tucson, who has got you know a guy like Mike Jones, who's their franchise rusher, who's played in the most games in Sugar Skull's history. There aren't as many of those guys for the Bay Area Panthers. And one thing that I, I do think is interesting, and we're looking at the schedule for the Panthers, is the fact that it, it, I would we were kind of throwing this around during the broadcast, Mark, but I would venture to guess that the Panthers have played the toughest schedule mm. if you look at coaches poll week of, because right now, preseason, they played Arizona week one or week two, but their first game of the year. Number one in the coaches poll. Massachusetts, top two that week in the coaches poll. Tucson entering this last week, number three. So you can make an argument that they have already played the top three teams in the IFL. And Northern Arizona is probably close to being top four, top three, or top five. Like I know that the, they are fifth, so I appreciate that, entering entering uh, week six. So right now, the Panthers have gone through the gauntlet. And for them to be able to walk out if they win this game with a positive Western Conference record because at the end of the day, that's what really matters. I know they have the loss to Massachusetts. It doesn't hurt as much. If they can, at the end of this week, say that they are 2-1 and one in the Western Conference, that would be huge considering the opponents they've faced thus far. Yeah, it would be. Frisco's number one. Tucson's number two. Those are the last two undefeated. Squad City in the East, three. Massachusetts in the East, four. Northern Arizona, five. Arizona, six. Duke City, seven. Then the Panthers, check in at number eight. They have fallen off a little bit. That's what happens when you lose consecutive games, but a chance to get a nice win under their belts. Another nice win. They've already beaten Arizona, trying to get another win over an Arizona team as Northern Arizona comes to SAP Center on Sunday, April 13th. 5.05 kickoff from SAP Center. If you can't make it down to SAP, which we recommend you do, tickets available at bayareapanthers.com. But if you can't, we'll have the game for you on 95.7 The Game. Uh, Sunday, April 23rd, tune in to 95.7 The Game at 5 o'clock for a 5.05 kick. Again, on 95.7 The Game. It'll be after Warriors Game 4, so uh, maybe take out some frustrations or celebrate, depending on how the game goes, with some uh, IFL football. It'll be a lot of fun Sunday the 23rd, 5 o'clock on 95.7 The Game. Panthers and Wranglers. Big, big Western Conference matchup, and I'm looking forward to it. Well, that'll do it here for uh, this episode of the Barrier Panthers pod. Evan, appreciate you as always. We'll catch up on Sunday at SAP. Hope to uh, see some of y'all out there as well. And then we'll be back next week with another edition of the Bay Area Panthers pod. Thanks so much for tuning in. You've been listening to the Bay Area Panthers pod, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bay Area Panthers pod, part of the 95.7 The Game podcast network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.